Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sirah, and much more. Dear brothers and sisters, what is the value of the honor of the Muslim woman in Islam? It's been, its protection has been placed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the level of protecting life itself. It has been raised to a status in which a single word of slander against a chaste Muslim woman is described as a grievous crime in the Quran and deserving of a severe punishment. It is a value for which our beloved Prophet banished a whole Jewish tribe, Banu Kainuka, from his state in Medina due to their abuse of a single Muslim woman and the violation of her Islamic dress. The value of the honor of the Muslim woman is that for which Islamic leaders under the Khilafah of the past fought wars and opened lands to protect and defend. India and Sindh were not open to Islam except in response to the cries of some Muslim women who have been imprisoned by the 8th century oppressive Indian Hindu king, Raja Dahir. The Khalifa at the time, Al-Walid bin Abdul Malik, mobilized a formidable army led by the great Muslim general Muhammad bin Qasim to rescue these women. Even though the, the, the capital of the Khilafah was in Damascus at the time, thousands of miles away from India, the 9th century Khalifa, Al-Mutasim Billah, sent a huge army to rescue a single Muslim woman in Amuria, Turkey, who was captured and abused by the Romans, even though the capital of the Khilafah was in Baghdad at the time. And the armies of the great 10th century Islamic military leader Al-Mansur bin Abi Amir from Andalusia, Spain, reached the far south of France, the Kingdom of Navarre, in response to two Muslim women who were imprisoned in a church. Brothers and sisters, this is the legacy of Islam and the legacy of its system, a legacy which demonstrated to the world the value and protection it afforded to the well-being and the honor of the Muslim woman, defending her at all costs. It was a legacy of unity and Muslim brotherhood a legacy which dismantled and uprooted racial, tribal, ethnic, national barriers between people and molded entire nations into one state under the banner of La ilaha illallah. A legacy under which leaders had no regard for national borders or nationality when it came to defending the dignity of Muslim women. For they understood the words of Allah in Surah Al-Anbiya, Bismillahir Rahman Rahim. Indeed, this ummah is one ummah, and I am your Lord, so worship me alone. But what is the reality 
of the lives and honor of Muslim women today in India, in Kashmir, in Palestine and across the world. In India, Muslim women and girls are humiliated, insulted and abused on a daily basis. In April this year, a Hindu head priest in Uttar Pradesh delivered a fiery speech to a large rally outside a mosque in the town of Hyderabad, threatening to rape and kidnap Muslim women. In March this year, an Indian court upheld a ban on hijab in classrooms in the southern Indian state of Karnataka, denying Muslim girls the right to pursue an education while holding on to their Islamic beliefs. An official from the education department told some Muslim girls in a classroom, give up on your hijab. If you hold on to this, you will lose out on your education. Other Muslim girls wearing hijab have been harassed and heckled by mobs of Hindu students. And Hindu nationalists in India have also unleashed a vicious online attack against Muslim women that is full of sexual slurs, rape threats and explicit imagery. This includes creating an app where more than 100 Muslim women were put on sale in a fake online auction filled with lewd content. While last year a YouTube channel called Liberal Doggy Live live-streamed obscene photos of Muslim women on the day of Eid with the statement, Today we will stalk women with our eyes filled with lust. Astaghfirullah. All of this is a drop in the ocean of the daily barrage of abuse and threats Muslim women face in India today. And yet, not a sing, not a Muslim, no Muslim leader, no state, no government stands in their defense. In Kashmir, Muslim women and girls are terrorized by Indian forces, including in night raids. And over three decades, over 2,300 Muslim women have been killed and more than 11,000 sexually assaulted by the Hindu occupation. And which one of us can forget the sweet, innocent face of Asifa Bano, the eight-year-old Muslim girl who was kidnapped, drugged, and gang-raped in a Hindu temple in Kashmir in 2018 before being stoned to death. And yet not a single leadership in the Muslim lands has moved to protect our sisters and daughters in Kashmir. And in the blessed land of Palestine, our Muslim sisters are terrorized, imprisoned, beaten and gunned down in broad daylight by Zionist forces. Brothers and sisters, when you look at the face of your own mother, then remember the face of your other Muslim mother, Ghada Ibrahim Sabatin, a widow, and mother of six who was shot by Zionist forces this April while she was on her way to visit relatives in Bethlehem. They left her to bleed to death. And brothers and sisters, when you look at the face of your own sister or daughter, then remember the face of your other Muslim sister, Anhar al-Diq, imprisoned, tortured, placed in solitary confinement and handcuffed while pregnant by the criminal Zionist entity. And there have been Muslim sisters like her too, whose arms and legs were chained to their bed during labor and childbirth. All this, yet there is not one single ruler, government or state that responds to the cries of our sisters. Why is this? Why have our sisters, mothers and daughters been abandoned? Why have they been left in the hands of their evil oppressors and butchers? 
it is because the rulers and regimes of the Muslim lands today also have a legacy. And it's a legacy that is stained and soiled with the rotten disease of nationalism and nation-state politics. A disease that makes them see the Muslims of India, Kashmir, Palestine and other lands away from their own national borders as foreign citizens in foreign lands rather than their own brothers and sisters. Disregarding the words of Allah in Surah Al-Hujurat, The believers are nothing but brothers. And the words of Allah in Surah Al-Anfal, And if they seek help of you, of the deen, then you must help. Nationalism is a disease that makes them view the plight and suffering of Muslims in other lands as a foreign problem that has nothing to do with them. Even though the Prophet said, Muslims are like a single man. If the eye is afflicted, then the whole body is afflicted. If the head is afflicted, then the whole body is afflicted. Nationalism is a disease that strips nations and states of their humanity such that they stand muted and paralyzed in the midst of genocides with no political will to act unless it is in their national interest to do so. As we see with the regimes in Turkey, Egypt and elsewhere who have stood idle. Idle while hundreds of thousands of Muslims have been slaughtered in Syria or successive governments in Pakistan, Bangladesh and elsewhere turn their back on the of India, of Kashmir, Myanmar and East Turkestan despite the Muslims having suffered the most horrific atrocities. We saw how Pakistan's previous Prime Minister Imran Khan openly expressed his support for China's treatment of the Uyghur Muslims despite Beijing's anti-Muslim genocide in East Turkestan because of Khan's fear of losing China's investment in the country, forsaking the words of our beloved Prophet ﷺ, a Muslim is the brother of a Muslim. He does not oppress him, nor does he abandon him. And nationalism and nation-state politics is a disease that causes Muslim regimes to push away desperate Muslims seeking refuge in their lands, refusing them dignified sanctuary and citizenship because they view them as foreigners due to their nationality or ethnicity. So we see the governments of Malaysia, Indonesia and Bangladesh pushing away desperate Rohingya Muslim rights, preferring to see them die at sea than to provide them protection in their lands. We see the Hasina regime in Bangladesh making life unbearable for Rohingya refugees in the Cox's Bazaar camps, such that they accept to be exiled to the uninhabitable, flood-prone island of Basan Chak or return to the hands of their killers in Myanmar. We see the Bangladesh, Bangladesh authorities beating or detaining Rohingya refugees who have left their squalid, inhumane death camps and destroying thousands of shops in the camps, denying refugees access to employment and even banning Rohingya-led community schools, all in an attempt to make, to create the most atrocious conditions for the Rohingya, to force them back into the hands of those who executed a genocide, as reflected in the comments of Bangladesh's foreign minister, Dr. A.K.M. Abdul Momin, who stated that the early repatriation of the Rohingyas to Myanmar is our lead priority. Brothers and sisters, this is the toxic legacy of nationalism and the foul stench of the legacy of nationalistic leaderships, rulers and regimes. 
these nationalistic regimes have not only abandoned oppressed Muslims, but have actively befriended, supported, and forged alliances with those who persecute and slaughter Muslims, all for the sake of their national interest or in submission to the orders of their Western masters. So we see Erdogan and the Turkish regime strengthening ties with the brutal occupiers of Al-Quds. Just this May, in the midst of Zionist forces storming and defiling Al-Aqsa and beating hundreds, dozens of Palestinian Muslims, Turkey's foreign minister visited the foreign minister of the Zionist entity with the goal of expanding economic, energy and civil cooperation and to re-energize re relations in many areas. Turkey is already a top trading partner with the Zionists. These are all deals that are written in the blood of our Palestinian brothers and sisters. And we see Muslim regimes such as the UAE, Bahrain, Sudan, Morocco falling over one another to try and sign the Abraham Accords and establish normalization agreements with the Zionist terrorist entity, joining Egypt and Jordan as those states who have thrown the Palestinian Muslims to the wolves in Asia, despite Modi's brutal occupation and slaughter of the Muslims of Kashmir and persecution of Muslims in India, we see the Pakistan government exerting its utmost to normalize relationships with the butcher of Gujarat and his anti-Muslim Hindutva state, surrendering Kashmir in the process. In April, Pakistan's Prime Minister Shabazz Sharif tweeted to Modi, Pakistan desires peaceful and cooperative ties with India, smoothing the way for the American plan to make India a regional power and the creation of a greater India, recreating the tyrant Hindu kingdom of the likes of Raja Dahir who was defeated by the great Muslim general Muhammad bin Qasim. We see the Arab regimes also strengthening the hand of this modern day Raja Dahir state. The Middle East supplies over 50% of India's oil while in 2019, Qatar was the primary source of India's liquefied natural gas, supplying 41% of the country's gas imports. Even the disgusting insults against our beloved Prophet by India's BJP spokespeople was not enough to deter these nationalistic regime, Muslim regimes from the support of this apartheid Indian state. During an interaction with Indian journalists, Bangladesh's information and broadcasting minister Hassan Mahmoud stated regarding the insults against our Rasul it is not an internal matter i.e. for Bangladesh but an external issue this is India's internal issue adding that ties between India and Bangladesh are forged in blood since when is an attack against the honor of our Rasul the master of humankind, the messenger of Allah, an external matter for Muslims. Since when is the suffering and slaughter of Muslims, no matter where they live, a foreign issue for this ummah? It is only the case when the disease of nationalism infects lands and minds. Dear brothers and sisters, protecting the honor of our Prophet can never be a foreign issue for us as Muslims nor is the plight of our brothers and sisters of India, Kashmir, Palestine or elsewhere, or protecting the honor of our sisters. It is not Muslims who live in other lands to our own who should be viewed as foreign and alien, but the concept of nationalism, nation-state politics, nationalistic regimes, national borders. Because all of this is imported and imposed from foreign colonial powers and used to divide and weaken this ummah so that it can be easily subjected to their plans and interests. This toxic concept of nationalism 
has eroded the bond of Muslim Brotherhood, caused Muslims to see one another through the lens of enemy states, and caused complacency in action when Muslims are being oppressed and killed, and the sanctities of our deen and honor of our sisters defiled. All this is the legacy of nationalism and nation-state leaderships, and is one submerged with betrayal of the Ummah and our deen, one laced with weakness and submission to foreign powers, and that has left Muslims abandoned and helpless. So brothers and sisters, what will be our legacy? Will it be to continue to embrace this poison of nationalism, or to continue to support nationalistic regimes who have forsaken our deen and the Muslims? Will our legacy be to continue to see solutions to our problems as an ummah through the cancerous lens of national interest that views the defense of the honor of our sisters as a foreign issue? Or to continue to place false hopes in the United Nations or Western governments to protect the Muslims when they are the ones who caused and fueled the problems in our lands and who stand side by side the oppressors, occupiers and killers of the Muslims? Will our legacy be to be silent while our ummah bleeds or to cry tears at the plight of our ummah when our tears will not stop the pain of our brothers and sisters or to just give charity to ease the suffering of our ummah when pounds and dollars will not end the persecution or the bullets and bombs rain, raining down on our brothers and sisters or will our legacy be to return to the way of our Prophet by establishing the great state and Islamic leadership that will be a guardian to all Muslims, no matter their race, ethnicity, land or birth or place they live, the Khilafah state, based upon the method of the prophethood, a state that will once again mobilize its army to defend the honor of our sisters, protect the blood of Muslims and liberate every inch of occupied Muslim land, a state that will uproot every trace of this terrorist Zionist entity from the blessed land of Palestine and raise once again the flag of Islam over Al-Quds. A state, a state that will open its lands to the Rohingya and all oppressed Muslims so that they finally find their true home. A state that will free our dear sister Dr. Afia Siddiqui from her prison walls and return her to the arms of her children and family. A state under which our hearts will no longer pain for the plight of our ummah. Dear brothers and sisters, let's make all this our legacy by establishing the second Khilafah Rashida, mirroring the state of our beloved Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. A state that we and our children will be proud of that genuinely stands for our deen and for humanity and against all oppression and tyrants. A state that will stand guard over the dignity of Muslim women and raise their status once again to that which was described in the archives of the Ottoman Caliphate as Taj al-Dawla, the crown on the head of the state, the protector jewel of this ummah. A state that will herald the start of a new chapter in the life of this ummah and the beginning of a new dawn one that was filled with security, guardianship, prosperity, and honor. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مَنْ كَانَ يُرِيدُ الْإِزَّةَ Whoever desires honor, power, and glory, then to Allah belongs all honor.
power and glory. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati wa yasifun wa salamun ala al-mursaleen wa alhamdulillahi rabbil assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and seerah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment, and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about IslamPodcast.com.